You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody out there? Uh, Kings fans, non-Kings fans, basketball fans, uh, people who just stumbled upon this on on a whim, whatever the case may be. This is Jason Jones of The Athletic bringing you the latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. Again, that's I am the ruler of the court or of this court, this virtual court, this podcast court, Jason Jones, here to talk some Sacramento Kings basketball with you, as well as talk a little, you know, my my other passion, talk a little hip hop with you. But let's dive right on in there. First things first, Sacramento Kings. Um, last time we chatted, the Kings weren't looking so good. Yeah, they had won a game, but it was like, let's see, but. After losing four in a row, the Kings have now won two two straight games, which is, for them, <laughs> the way this season has gone, is significant. They're now, uh, after Wednesday night's 121-107 win over the Orlando Magic, a road win, just the Kings' second road win of the season. Hadn't won a road game since the season opener when Buddy Hill hit that, put, uh, that late tip in or put back to give the uh, Kings the season opening win at Denver. So Kings improved to 7-10. and 10. And like I said, they've won two in a row. And so let's just dive in here, talk about what's allowed this hap- to happen. Yeah, it's only two wins, but when you've uh, routinely dropped 9 of 11, four straight, playing some of the worst defense any of us have ever seen <laughs> on a basketball court, it seemed. There's a, a few things that you, you know you can look at and say, okay, they're making some strides, and a big part of that is practice. Not the games, not the games. We're talking about practice. Shout out to Allen Iverson. Uh, we'll touch back on that later. But why is practice so big for this team? I think some things people don't think about. You know, I you know I saw where you know you you read the uh, social media tea leaves or what's going on on the internet and people say that the Kings were making excuses about not having practice time and needing more practice time and every team is going through the same thing and why do they need so much practice time and why can't they just figure out what's wrong? The fact is is that teams that aren't very good or teams that are kind of middle of the road, teams that don't have a lot of, you know, eight, nine, ten-year veterans – you know, they need time on the court, especially any time on the court together. 
And the Kings, I, I bristle at calling them just a young team because they've got some guys with some experience. You know, they're not a completely, you know, a, a group of a bunch of guys on rookie deals. But they have some young players, and those guys need practice. And it's not just those guys need practice. Like I said, practice together. Uh, consider this when you talk about the Kings in practice. Starting lineup this season, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heel, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley III, and Rashawn Holmes. Of that starting lineup, only two of those uh the three of those guys played all season, uh, all of last season. Buddy, uh, Buddy and Harris. Actually, let me fix that. No, only two of those guys <laughs> played all last season. Really, Buddy and Harrison. And you look at the other three. Marvin only played in thirteen games. Rashawn missed a good chunk of time with a shoulder injury. Then he obviously he missed his time during part of the bubble after the. Uh, Lemon pepper wing fiasco, where he, you know, he left the board, crossed the border of the uh, boundary, had to sit out a bunch of days, and De'Aaron missed, you know, a, a good chunk of time as well. So you're talking about three fifths of your starting lineup that missed significant portions of the season. So this group that's starting the game really didn't get, you know, a good amount of time together on the court. At least not enough to where I would say they should all really be comfortable with each other. And I don't know if that's really brought up enough or considered enough when discussing some of the struggles this team had over over the course of January. It may sound like an excuse to some, but I think it's something to really consider. And added to the fact that your sixth man is Tyrese Halliburton, a rookie, Hassan Whiteside coming off the bench Wednesday night against Orlando. They only played in nine games that missed the last five with an injury. You're looking at... <laughs> And then, you know, and if we want to, you know, throw in Corey Joseph, he's a uh, he was around. But then if you go down to Glenn Robinson, you're still looking at a, a new player. So the majority of your team, though new, I mean, though you have I mean, you bring guys back. You got a lot of guys who don't exactly know each other as well as they could. So this practice time for the Kings was to me vital to try to fix some of their issues, particularly on defense. You know, fix some of the communication issues, uh, understanding assignments, you know, getting down some of these schemes and new ideas that uh, Rex Kalamian has brought to the team. So I don't know if I want to sound being a King's apologist right now or it feels like I'm to be in a weird space even saying this, but have patience, you know. Let's see how this thing looks after 25, 30, 40 games. And I get it. When a team's been this bad this long, you don't have, you don't want to hear about patience. You don't want to, you know, you're looking at tying the record for the most consecutive seasons out the playoffs. I get it. You don't want to hear about let's wait and see what happens. I wouldn't want to wait too. But you also have to be, be realistic about what we're dealing with here. This is not a team that had a deep playoff run that's rolling, you know, that's coming together and trying to play well and are all the guys that know each other. You don't have a dominant all-star level player slash leader to keep things together on the court. This team, these guys still need a lot of guidance. And if you don't think that's apparent, just look back at some of these games they've lost where, you know, Luke Walton had to call timeouts over breakdowns and 
you know, things that are more like attention to detail situations. So, again, like I said, I know it sucks. I know you're probably sick of this. But it is what it is. This team needs time. And will they will they make the playoffs this year? I don't know if that's... To me, that's not even the issue. The issue is you got a core group of guys who need to play together, who need to develop better chemistry together, and not just on offense, also on defense. And they also... You need this because the front office and the coaching staff needs to get a realistic idea of what they have. And I, you can't really play on the fact that you look at two guys like Rashawn and Marvin, they really never played with, they didn't really play with each other last season. Uh, for the most part, you know, Marvin gets hurt the first game of the season. At that point, Rashawn's not even a starter. Rashawn becomes a starter, kind of takes off in that role, plays well for the Kings. Marvin comes back. Marvin gets hurt again. Part of that time that Marvin's back, Marvin's coming off the bench, actually backing up Rashawn as a center. So now you're just now getting used to seeing these guys play together. So, again, have a little mercy on these guys. Have a little patience because for the Kings and and this group, I don't believe that the lack of practice and how that affected the way they played was an excuse. I think it was a fact. Yes, it sucks. Yes, it is what it is this season. And a lot of teams aren't going to have practice, but having two the two Memphis games being postponed, I believe, could help the Kings over this next stretch of their, as they have three more games on this road trip. They play Toronto and Tampa on Friday, then they're at Miami on Saturday. So based on how the Kings played Toronto at least for a half plus, and the fact that Miami's struggling with its own COVID issues, guys in and out the lineup, you know, just they haven't been real settled this season. The Kings could, you know, maybe you know, pull off another couple of wins and then go into the last game next Monday at New Orleans on a four-game winning streak. And wouldn't that be kind of interesting if this group that had everyone going, oh my God, this is going to be the worst season ever, somehow gets to that game in their 9 and 10. And that would be, to me, that would be quite the accomplishment because, yeah, it's been a couple of years since this team has been anywhere near, I should say near 500, but they haven't gotten above 500 after the early stages of the season in quite some time. They haven't been above 500 probably after the first five, you know, four games since the 2017-18 season. Or check that, 18-19. That was uh, Dave Yeager's last season as coach. And we know how that all ended. Ended with the Kings flaming out after the All-Star break and missing the playoffs. But you knew that part. So, I will say, let the Kings practice. Let them get all the work they can get in. They'll be able to practice Thursday. You know, before they play back-to-back games. And that's probably going to be another key time for them just because all the on-court time they can get is important for what they're trying to do. So I'm going to get off of practice right now because I feel like I've talked a little too much about it and explained why the practice is so necessary. I'm not going to change anyone's mind about the importance of it. If you hate Luke Walton, if you hate people on this team, you're going to say it's an excuse. But, hey, like I said, it is what it is. I stand by what I say. 
This team needs all the practice time, film time, study time, everything they can get to try to become a better team. So, as we kind of move on to the next topic, I want to talk about the Kings' defense. Yes, I know they're horrible on defense as a team. They're giving up about 120 points a game on the season still. Team still shooting about 49% overall. Uh, about 39, close to 40% from three. So, yeah, still not a good defensive team. But you're seeing itty-bitty bits of progress lately. Just tiny bits of progress in these last couple of games they've played. They held the Knicks under 100 points uh, last Friday. First time all season they held a team under 100 points. Uh, they held the uh, Orlando Magic to under 42% shooting. So you got back-to-back games of allowing under 42, no, below 42% shooting, which is a miracle given how teams were shooting on them most, you know, most, <laughs> most of this season. And the 107 they gave up to Orlando is still 13 points lower than their average on the season. So those are incremental steps. I, I, I think, you know, this thing is far from fixed. Still has a lot of work to do, but you're starting to see little itty-bitty steps. And the Kings have held their opponents under under 30 points in a quarter in eight of the last nine quarters. And that's normally not something to celebrate, but for this team, who that seems like when you were giving up 30 points a quarter every game, you know, at one point they're, you know, still on average they're out averaging you know you just take 120 divided by four it's still 30 a quarter but at one point they were giving up you know 125 a game over a stretch so they have back-to-back games where not back-to-back but eight and nine quarters you know holding teams under 30 again just a tiny step a tiny tiny step toward defensive respectability well i take that back I'm not going to say respectability, just defensive competence. <laughs> you got a ways to go to be respectable, but right now you've got to be, you can't look like you're playing defense like we're playing 2K and the game's set on easy so I can get all the points and get my guys, you know, highs and pad their stats. And the Kings were a stat patent team for most of January because the way they were giving it up defensively. Everybody was getting a turn against them, and can't have that. <laughs> it's not going to work. But again, they they're making incremental steps, incremental steps that ties back into that practice that I talked about earlier. So, do I believe this is a a sign that things are all the way fixed? Of course, I don't. I mean, the Knicks are the Knicks. The Knicks aren't some high powered offensive team. Orlando plays is not another team that is not a team that goes out there and routinely lights it up. You know, they're you know, no one's going to call them the, you know, 2016 Warriors on offense. But I can't knock the, their, the opposition for the Kings also, you know, and not give the Kings any credit, given that the way they were defending, they could have made the Knicks look like the 2016 Warriors. Or they could have made the Orlando Magic, the Orlando Magic team, look like the Steve Nash Suns. Just because when you combine the Kings' fast pace and the bad defense 
and the turnovers, you were you were guaranteed to give up at least one ten off the rip. And that's just how bad the Kings were on defense most of the this month. So to me, yeah, I think you gotta take this for what it is, enjoy it. Do I think the turnaround is complete? No, do I think this is for real? I think the effort is real, but I don't know if these results will hold up just because so far the the bulk of the body of work has shown us that the Kings aren't a good defensive team. They have moments, but they haven't shown us who they are consistently. So until that happens over a play 20 game stretch, I think you still should be concerned, but these last two games have been encouraging in the fact that you didn't see the opponent getting 125, 130. We didn't see a bunch of career highs. You know, there was a moment in, early in the Orlando game where it looked like Terrence Ross was about to be Terrence Ross King Killer again. You know, but <laughs> that didn't materialize. So there's some there's some positives to think about with the defense. I just think we you have to give this thing a lot more time before we know exactly what we've got with them defensively. And a big test will be the rest of this trip. You know, what did you learn from giving up 140-plus? You know, uh, was it 144, giving up a franchise record for points? All that in regulation (laughs) to Toronto. What did you learn from that when you see them on Friday? What did you, you know... You know, can that carry over to when you see Miami on Saturday? What did you learn from the game when you play against New Orleans that you when, you when you see them on Monday? That's going to be the other thing too. Is what do the Kings learn from their mistakes from game to game as they try to bounce back and fix some of the the problems they have defensively? And one thing that will I think will help that is that. Having Hassan Whiteside back in the lineup, back in the rotation. I know a lot of you out there love some Chemezi Metu, and you think that Hassan Whiteside should just never play (laughs) just because you're a big fan of Chemezi, you know, a guy on a two way deal who might be a rotation player someday, but I don't think the Kings are at the stage of the season where we should be talking about tanking considering tanking I mean if you're going to be bad you're going to be bad anyway so I'm not I don't I don't subscribe to the notion that just play a bunch of young guys I don't that's not development to me that's tanking you play the guys when they're ready to play and at this stage of the game the Kings are far from out of anything they're still in the mix for you know they they can still reach their goals their goal is to make the playoffs they're not out of that by any stretch you know, especially at this stage of the game, it's early, so you got to play to win. That that means you play Hassan Whiteside, you let him go out there and be a big body, anchor you defensively. That means you let Corey Joseph go out there and help you. That means you play Glenn Robinson the third. So you do all the things to try to win as much as you can. Now, now if doing all that gets you nothing and you're hanging out with Minnesota at the bottom of the standings. Okay, I'll hear your argument that they should play Metu, maybe play Kyle Guy, get Jemias Ramsey out there once he's healthy, get Robert Woodard out there, but we're not at that point. It's not To me, it's not even close to that point now. I think the Kings are doing the right thing. Keep this thing going. Play Hassan Whiteside. 
You know, yeah, you're going to get some funny moments like you did Wednesday night where you see Hassan looking down at his feet to make sure he can shoot the three. Didn't make it. But, hey, I'm all here for the Hassan Whiteside entertainment. He's the, probably the best follow on social media to me for the King because his IG stories are absolutely hilarious. But I digressed. I think Hassan being back is going to help them defensively. The, I believe that after the way most of January went, I think we'll see a more engaged De'Aaron Fox defensively. Tyrese Halliburton shows good instincts on defense. Rashawn Holmes can be a you know a switchable, can be a rim protector. Marvin Bagley's drawing charges now, trying to be a better defender. Buddy Heald is trying as well. I think you take all that together. You take that, you roll with it, and just maybe, just maybe, this defense turns around or gets to the middle of the road. Man, as a Raider fan, I understand the frustration with defense. Trust me. If the Raiders had a halfway decent defense, I don't know, 20th in the league, they make the playoffs this year. But, again, that's just me being frustrated. And when I talk about bad defense, my mind goes to that. But the Kings have a long ways to go this season. Only have only played 17 games of this season. You're not even a quarter, you know, the next game they'll get to the quarter mark of the season. They would have been there already if not for the postponements of Memphis. But, you know, just exhale, folks. Breathe, you know, find whatever vice you need, you know, to get through watching the Kings play defense when it's on those bad nights. And let's just see how this thing plays out. So, again... The Kings have three more games on this road trip. Toronto on Friday, Miami on Saturday, New Orleans on Monday. So what's uh curious how that thing goes. Curious to see if Buddy Hill continues, you know, can can follow up a good game Wednesday night where he had 29 points. Let's get praise for his decision making. How wild is that? Buddy Hill being called being praised for good decision making, you know, for not forcing shots, for finding the open guy, for moving the ball. I think we should just all give Buddy Hill a hand for that. I don't have a applause machine here, but if I did, I would give him a, a round of applause because for all the um, knocks on Buddy people have had, I you know defensively being the main one probably was almost been, almost as detrimental or maybe more so to the Kings has been some of the decision making on offense. You know when to pass the ball, when to move the ball, and. That's one reason why Bogdan Bogdanovich fit in the starting lineup last season. Because you just knew he'd make the right, smart, simple basketball play. And you didn't know you were going to get that from Buddy. But you got that from Buddy Wednesday night. A bunch of guys, I have a story on theathletic.com talking about it, where guys are talking about Buddy's growth as a decision maker, as a playmaker. And that's going to be big for the Kings this season. So shout out to Buddy for doing that, you know. He didn't drop any motherfuckers on us <laughs> during, you know, during the presser. Because, you know, that's who we credit it for his focus on defense, you know. Those, uh, forgetting him going, the motherfuckers who called him out on it. And I guess I'm one of them. But, hey. No, I'm nothing personal. Buddy's one of my favorite guys to, uh, to cover. See, is what it is. So, enough Kings talk. Enough basketball talk. I know why at least two of you were here. You're here for the for my. I won't. It's not weekly because we were dropping twice a week. But my, I don't know how you would say it, but this episode's edition of 
what's going on in hip-hop and sports and what random connection can I make on this trip or after these last few games to hip-hop. For that, I'm going to go back to the top of the show where I talked about practice and referenced Allen Iverson. Not not about practice hip-hop, but about the fact that talk let's talk about NBA players in, in rap. And generally, I'm going to be honest with y'all, I cringe whenever I hear about a basketball player rapping, mainly because I expect it to be terrible. I expect to be disgusted by what I hear. I expect to listen and say, you know what? Yeah, take this shit back. I don't want to hear it. I, that's what I expect when I hear about rap basketball players rapping. But I'm going to talk about Allen Iverson and his brief controversial rap career. And, you know, when he was using the rap name Jules and he had his one little single that leaked and it had you no know, had you no know, cuss words in it, you know, and people were shocked. And that's just crazy to me looking back 20 something about 20 years ago at the notion that people were actually shocked at a pro basketball player cursing. That is that is hilarious to me, first off, because if you've ever sat courtside at an NBA game, I know we're not doing that this no this season, but if you ever if you've ever been near an NBA game, you know, there is nothing but profanity being spewed all over the place during games. So I wanted to actually my thing is this I wanted to salute Iverson. And his rap career. He dropped that song 40 Bars uh, back in the day. And I, I to this day, I go on um, on the internet and I find the song. I thoroughly, actually, I thoroughly enjoyed the song. I thought it was actually a good song. But, you know, 21 years ago when it dropped, I thought it was, I, I enjoyed it. You know, of course... You know, David Stern back then did not need, you know, a guy who was on his way to being league MVP dropping rhymes about, you know, the streets and all that. That was not, you know, that was not his good for business and his from his point of view. So, you know, Iverson shut that down. But I I thought Jules had some skills. I enjoyed it. I think he might have been, you know, one of he would have been one of my favorite guys rapping. But I want to salute Allen Iverson's brief, controversial, of course it'd be controversial with Iverson, but his brief, controversial foray into hip-hop. And salute to you, AI. And just before we go out, I want to just maybe look at other basketball players who have rapped. Like I said, I admit, I cringe. You know, when I heard the Kings, when the Kings after Marvin Bagley, I heard he was he was a rapper. I was like, oh God, no! I don't want to have to listen to it and be like, go in the locker room and be laughing at him. Like, man, that that sucked. But and then and then not want to ask him about music. But I'm gonna go uh, look at some of the guy, you know, some of the guys who have done it. And I think in terms of sales, you know, the guys, you know, on the throne, so to speak, is Shaq. You no, know, back in the day, this is obviously back when people were criticizing Shaq for not being serious, you know, about basketball. You need to stop doing music and 
and you know, you know, stick to you know, stick to playing ball. But you know, Shaq dropped, you know, hooked up with some hip hop, you know, hip hop icons like Biggie. You know, he did a, you know, had a couple albums, went platinum. I even once, I even asked Shaq one time at the time when he was announced as a minority owner of the Kings, would he consider coming out and you know doing a little something something just for. It was just for the new arena, he was like, no. So, that is what it is. But I think if you're going to be a rap, the, the only time from the, the most entertaining rap for me amongst athletes is battle rap. Just because I find it hilarious. You know, Shaq's going at people, but, and you had Dame and Marvin Bagley going back and forth. And Dame, probably right, I say right now, is the best rapper in the NBA. I've listened to Dame's music more than once, and it's really good. So if you are into basketball players rapping and you haven't listened to Dame Lillard's music, or excuse me, he is Dame Dollar when he raps. But if you haven't listened to Dame Dollar, you know, you should check it out. I think it's some good stuff, you know, and like I said, my, you know, you know Shaq has had, has had his jabs at people when he's been, you know, rapping, but I think when... When Mar when Dame and Marv had their uh, back and forth during the 2019 NBA draft, that by far was one of the more amusing situations I've ever come across. And I have told Marvin, you know, Marvin, you know, Dame when it Mar he was just dropping bombs on Marvin. I'm like, God, oh, this is harsh. Like, damn, Dame, what did Marvin do to you? You know, he's just you know going right at him. You know, talk about you know. You know, just about the king. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. You can go look it up. You know, I actually wrote a story about it as well. You know, about basically that the king suck. And when you get to the real NBA, holla at me, basically. And when I saw Marvin later on that summer, because Marvin responded, but it was like a few hours later. I was like, Marvin, man, you can't let this man diss you for hours. And, you know, let that record be out there for hours and hours. And you don't say anything back. Marvin told me he was in the gym working out. He 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 had he had intended to you know respond, but yeah. If rapper if if players are going to rap, I need battle rap. I need diss tracks. I need oh I need Shaq to I need Rudy Gobert rapping about Shaq. Uh, Rudy Gobert might be horrible at me rapping, probably is, but I need the laugh. So I need Rudy Gobert to diss Shaq on on you know I need him to hook up with a producer in Utah and make something happen. You know. I need what what well what other rap battles do we need in the NBA? I need a Lakers versus Clippers uh you no know, battle rap. I need like back in the day when the Crips and the Bloods was banging on wax. I need banging at Staples. I need Clippers against the Lakers. I need I need that for my own entertainment. I need what else do we need? We just need everybody to diss the Nets. We need everybody to diss Brooklyn just because well why not? You know. You know, I need to see it. I need John Wallen, the Marcus to do a diss track against James Harden. You know, I need all that. I just think it would be hilarious. You know, and again, my whole point was to say that I think Dame is the best rapper in the league. But I just started thinking, yeah, we need some diss tracks from it. If you, if you guys are going to rap, please diss somebody just for the entertainment purposes. I don't want nobody to get beat up, nobody to fight over it. But we need some good diss tracks if you're going to do it. You know, I need someone, I don't you know. I need guys to diss Draymond because Draymond's going to talk back. You know, I need someone to call out Steph. You know, I need all that stuff. I need more diss. We, 
hip hip hop doesn't need more diss tracks unless it's basketball players dissing other basketball players. So NBA players, I'm telling you now, go get your ghost writers because I know a lot of y'all can't write the music. Go get your ghost writers. Go call somebody. Get your you know, get your diss game up. You know, I know a lot of y'all are homies. You grew up together, played AAU, caught whatever together. I don't care. I need Duke guys dissing North Carolina. I need people dissing Calipar. I need all that. Why? Because y'all got to do it for AI, who I, be- who, I, who I believe was wrongfully shut down from his hip-hop career by the NBA. So, if there's any basketball players, athletes out there rapping that I don't know about, please hit me up. Hit me up on the socials. Uh, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones on Twitter, Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram, and if you're not, if you're confused, that Mr. is Mr. the the abbreviated version. So, holler at me. No, this has been a fun one. Your latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast. Again, I am Jason Jones, your host, who is honored to host you in this setting. I will be back again on Monday with more about the Kings more hip-hop i think we'll talk about new orleans since they will be in new orleans on monday we can get into uh, the new orleans bag you know get into the time i did get to see juvenile and you know and lil wayne and them in new orleans you know get into that whole scene master p oh sh- master p can also get thrown into the uh basketball player rapper slash thing probably too but i'll have Matt talk about master p on monday you know and all that fun stuff. So y'all be good out there. You stay safe. And I'd like to dedicate this episode to my friend Sekou Smith, who passed away on Tuesday after battling COVID-19. So please, people, please remain vigilant. Wear your mask. Be safe. You know, keep your physical distance from people. Do whatever thing you can do to help end this thing. And, I, and hopefully we don't have to lose more people we love and care about to drive home the message that we need to be safe out there. So, you guys be good out there. I'm Jason Jones, and I'm gone.